David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League. Week 12's finale is actually a compelling one this evening, with the 8-2 Baltimore Ravens led by the MVP candidate, formerly your Heisman winner with the Louisville Cardinals of the ACC. Lamar Jackson leads Baltimore into L.A. to face last year's NFC champion. The Rams are only 6-4. The Ravens are 8-2. The Niners and the Patriots both won this weekend to get to 10-1. They continue to set the bar in the NFL. The Seahawks and the Saints also won. They're both 9-2. New Orleans, of course, won at the expense of your worst of the weekend Carolina Panthers. The Panthers actually just waived a fairly high draft pick, Rashawn Golden. He was part of the muffed punt turnover. He was part of yapping at the officials. He was part of a special team snafu. He was kind of a knucklehead in college, and he was a knucklehead during his time with the Carolina Panthers. He was waived earlier today. As heads continue to roll in Carolina, will Ron Rivera's head roll at the end of this regular season? As David Tepper makes decisions from the owner's chair. We'll wait and see on that and other things. But Panthers kicker Joey Flott, Joey Sly, he missed an easy field goal, 28 yards with about two minutes to go. It might have been the game winner. Drew Brees would have had another possession, of course. Drew Brees got a possession anyway under different circumstances, and of course he did. He led the Saints from their own 14 to the Carolina 15-yard line in those final two minutes and asked veteran Will Lutz to kick a similarly easy field goal. That one a 33-yarder. Will Lutz did his job, and the Saints won to get to 9-2. and two. Joey Sly not only missed a 28-yard field goal, he missed two PATs earlier in the same game, and the Panthers, of course, fell as Joey Sly failed to do his job. Panthers fall to 5-6. and six. Saints improved to 9-2. and two. We are taking your best and worst of the weekend on the NFL and college football and the NBA and college basketball. I have votes in various ways for the Hornets of the NBA, the Panthers of the NFL, the Hurricanes of the NHL. We have college football best of the weekend nominees near and afar. The Ohio State Buckeyes got the biggest win of the weekend over Penn State. The Georgia Bulldogs also in the committee's top four as we inch closer to the ultimate committee decisions, meaning who are those four in that new playoff bracket created six years ago. The Bulldogs beat Texas A&M in a close one. The Buckeyes beat the Nittany Lions in what was closer than some expected and certainly closer than anything else Ohio State had played so far this year. Shout out to Herm Edwards in Arizona State. They had the upset of the weekend. The Oregon Ducks had the worst of the weekend result among those contending for the college football playoff. They fall to within the ranks of the two loss resumes. Meanwhile, there are a lot of teams and people to celebrate closer to home as we welcome your calls. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw over these last two and a half days anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? Dating back even really to last Thursday night's sports menu. I got votes for everything from Deontay Wilder heavyweight boxing champion still 
his knockout in Vegas of Luis Ortiz, a highlight for some. Shane Battier, former Blue Devil. Vernon Carey, current Blue Devil. Mike Krzyzewski setting more records over the weekend. Another win at Madison Square Garden for number one Duke. This one at the expense of Georgetown, now led by head coach Patrick Ewing, former star big man for the Hoyas. And in the college football ranks, as we welcome your calls, what was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw? We will talk, by the way, with Mac Brown of the North Carolina Tar Heels. The rivalry game of our neighborhood Wolfpack Tar Heels is this Saturday we're bringing the big tailgate tour there thanks to everybody at North Carolina A&T and others associated with the Aggie Eagle Classic we had a great time in Greensboro even through some miserable weather our final regular season stop on our tailgate tour will be UNC seeking bowl eligibility remember after ads expected trouncing Mercer this weekend at home true freshman quarterback Sam Howell now has 32 touchdown passes, and he gets a best of the weekend, not as much for beating an, a Mercer team from the FCS ranks, but for 32 touchdown passes here in his first year of college football. Remember, he's a true freshman, not a red shirt. That is the most TD passes in the history of FBS football for any true freshman quarterback. So Sam Howell leads the Tar Heels into Carter-Finley. The pack, of course, because of last Thursday's loss in Atlanta to lowly Georgia Tech, cannot make a bowl this year, but certainly can spoil the Tar Heels' bowl hopes. Mac Brown will join us live in hour number two today. We'll talk about the season. We'll talk about the future. We'll talk about the rivalry, of course. We'll talk about Sam Howell. Mick Mixon, voice of the Carolina Panthers, will drop by in less than 60 minutes. We'll talk all things NFL, including another disappointment for the Carolina Panthers. Your votes were all over the place, near and afar. College football worst of the weekend included Oregon, Boston College, NC State, the Miami Hurricanes, the Duke Blue Devils, and more. Meanwhile, best of the weekend was not only the Buckeyes and the Bulldogs nationally or the Arizona State upset. Shout out to App State, which keeps winning. Eli Drinkwitz and the Mountaineers still in the driver's seat for another Sun Belt title and perhaps a New Year's Six Bowl game as the best of the group of five. We'll see. Long way to go there. Justin Fuente and our guest Bud Foster, the legendary defensive coordinator, and the Virginia Tech Hokies that only beat Pitt. They shut out Pitt. How about a little DG show mojo for the retiring Bud Foster? Back-to-back -back shutouts. Bookending his appearance here on the David Glenn Show. The Hokies did it to Georgia Tech. Last week, they did it to Pitt over the weekend. That was a Panthers team, remember, fighting to get to a second straight ACC title game. Instead, it will be the winner of the Virginia-Virginia Tech game. That is a Friday matchup this week. You all know that the Hokies have won 15 in a row in that gridiron rivalry. It will be now for the Coastal Division title since the Hokies eliminated Pitt. We'll see what happens there later this week. App State, including the win this weekend, but also I thought it was a really classy move by their star wide receiver, Corey Sutton, out for the rest of the season with an ACL injury. And where was his head at a time when most of us would be devastated, right? You're on a championship team. You're the leading wide receiver. He's a thrill-a-minute type player to watch. Tears his ACL. What does he do? Tweets out, thanks to Mountaineer Nation. I mean, that's a classy move at a time of adversity. I respected that over the weekend. A&T is headed back to the Celebration Bowl. They not only beat their rivals in the Aggie Eagle Classic, North Carolina Central University, it was hide your eyes, 54 to nothing. 
Aggies over Eagles as we were there in Greensboro through a pouring rain. Wake beat Duke. Remember the Deeks at 8-3. and three. Still have a shot at just the second 10-win season in program history. To get there, they'd have to beat Syracuse on the road this week to get to 9. And then, of course, they'd have to win their bowl game, the Deacons of Dave Clawson. Shout out to Sam Howell. Shout out to Will Healy, our recent guest head coach in his first year of the Charlotte 49ers. That school has never been to a bowl game until now. In his first year, he is leading the 49ers where they have never been. They upset Marshall this weekend to get to the six wins. They'll be headed somewhere in the postseason. So shout out to a young, energetic coach that a lot of people are incredibly excited about his long-term future and at least his short-term future there with the Charlotte 49ers. Lenore Ryan advanced in the Division II playoffs. We love the little guys as well. Shane Battier, Deontay Wilder. ACC soccer. Congratulations to the UNC field hockey team, which won another national championship for the legendary coach Karen Shelton. Coach K and Duke, NC State won to get to 5-1. and one. Wake beat Davidson in Charlotte. We have a little bit on a lot of topics to get to with your phone calls at 1-800-849-2761. Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett, Joey Sly, Dougie Hamilton, James Reimer, Paul George, Kwai Leonard, Bud Foster, Eli Drinkwitz, Mike Krzyzewski. All these names were in my inbox for best or worst of the weekend or for some other compelling reason. We'll get to a little bit on a lot of things as we come to your calls right now. I will get to my best and worst of the weekend and elaborate on the why of such things. We have a lot to look forward to this week. Happy early Thanksgiving to everybody. We will have live shows today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. We will have best of shows on both Thursday and Friday as we spend some time with family and, of course, continue our tailgate tour on Saturday with the Tar Heels visiting the Wolfpack. Congratulations to Brandon Freeland of Greensboro. He and his crew were the tailgate of the week honorees at the Aggie Eagle Classic in Greensboro. Really great group who took good care of us, as always. Try the sweet potato chili. If you ever get a chance, Taz is responsible for that, I think, primarily. But Brandon is also one of the super chefs for that fantastic group of Aggies fans that we see every other year in Greensboro and sometimes when the Aggie Eagle Classic moves to Central in Durham. Early and legendary and veteran listeners know to call early, so the lines are lighting up. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? I have others from the NFL, the NBA, the college football ranks, the college basketball ranks, and yes, we'll sprinkle in some other things. My answers and yours as we play best and worst of the weekend. We'll glance forward to a college Hoops Week that includes the nationally ranked Tar Heels in the Bahamas over Thanksgiving. The Wolfpack takes on nationally ranked Memphis on Turkey Day itself up in Brooklyn. The Blue Devils hope to build on their number one national ranking as Coach K seeks what would be a sixth NCAA title, title as the leader of the Blue Devils. The more I watch Duke play, the more I believe that is a possibility. As UNC and UVA and Louisville and others won close games over the weekend or late last week, I was reminded that there are not enormous gaps this year between the best teams and that next tier of teams. That usually makes it less predictable. That usually makes it more fun. So buckle up for a great college basketball season as most of your votes were on football, college, and pro. What was the best thing you saw and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? The worst of the weekend included the Panthers kicker, Joey Sly. How rare is it 
to miss both two PATs and a 28-yard field goal in the same game at the NFL level. I actually did the math on that, and you're not going to believe it. I don't want to beat up on the guy. He's already beaten up on himself enough. But it was rarefied air what Joey Sly failed to do as the Panthers lost a close one in New Orleans. More on that sad story with your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on The David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? (laughs) Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Make, uh, he's going to make something that will help us win, and uh, that's the thing he's got to understand, you know, that uh, this is all part of it. You know, let's don't forget this is really his first year, and that's the one thing that a lot of people got to understand. He's a young kicker. He's going to make his mistakes, but you know, if you give him time, you stick with him, eventually he's going to become a good kicker. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A little Ron Rivera for you, talking about the former Virginia Tech star, Joey Sly. Prior to yesterday, he had been known for a few things. One being part of that post-Frank Beamer, Beamer ball tradition at Virginia Tech. Excellent player for the Hokies. Two, he had filled in admirably for the most part for the injured Graham Gano, the Panthers kicker in recent years, the former Florida State star Graham Gano. Gano was hurt so badly he had to put on, be put on injured reserve. Joey Sly, until this weekend, had done far more good than bad. The other thing he was probably most known for He became known as the swole kicker. Spends a lot of time in the strength and conditioning room. Looks like he bench presses with the linemen. Frankly, coaches don't care what you look like as a kicker. They want the ball to go through the uprights, especially in close games, especially when your postseason hopes are hanging in the balance. Now, the Panthers were 5-5 and as they headed to New Orleans. Of course, the road to a wild card bid would be extremely difficult regardless. But the road to chasing and hunting down the New Orleans Saints would have gotten slightly less crazy if you beat the Saints head-to-head. And remember, you still have them in Charlotte later this year. So if there was going to be a road, it was probably through the NFC South. And if that road was going to be remaining open, there was going to have to be a win yesterday in New Orleans. Well, a lot of Panthers did their jobs. And Joey Sly didn't. He actually had a couple of longer field goals to his credit. But he missed two PATs. One of the early misses led to Ron Rivera trying for two instead of a PAT, and the Panthers missed that. So one missed point with a missed PAT, one missed point with a missed PAT. You could argue two missed points because of the two-pointer they had to go for because of Joey Sly's missed PATs. And then with the game on the line, And remember, the Saints kicker, Will Lutz, who's been so good for so long, he's actually working on a five-year contract. Kickers don't get five-year contracts very often. Will Lutz has been clutch. Will Lutz, for the Saints last year, made 28 out of 30 field goal attempts. The guy set the franchise record for most consecutive makes as a kicker for the Saints in the history of their franchise. So now the Saints are 9-2 and in part because when Will Lutz was asked to make a 33-yarder in the final seconds, it was actually as time expired, he made it. And as Joey Sly was asked with less than two minutes to go to make a similar one. This is shorter than the modern-day NFL extra point, folks. 
It was a 28-yard field goal that Joey Sly was asked to make. He pushed it right. There was pressure up the middle as we come to your best and worst of the weekend phone calls. But to underline how bad and rare this is, folks, I just did some quick math. Are you ready for this? And I don't want to beat up Joey Sly. He's actually an easy guy to root for. Undrafted free agent, totally ignored until this year, finally got his shot, and then was making the most of this shot until this weekend. Panthers waived their safety, Rashawn Golden. A lot of NFL teams would waive their kicker after what just happened in New Orleans. No word along those lines with Joey Sly. NFL kickers, even under the modern-day extra point, a lot harder than it used to be, remember? 95% of the time, he missed two of those. 28-yard field goals. You ready for this number? Dating back to last year, according to ESPN Stats and Info, the, the last 134 attempts at field goals from 28 yards or closer. Anybody want to take a guess on the other side of the glass? 134 attempts dating back to mid-last season by all NFL kickers combined from 28 yards or shorter with the three points at stake, not some kind of a, a, you know, a weird extra point. How many of those 134 were made, do you think, Darren Vaught? Maybe not quite 130, but I would guess maybe a handful of misses. How about... 134 out of 134 (laughs) this season. I I spoke, I misspoke a second ago. It's 134 out of 134 this season on field goals of 28 yards or shorter. And you have to go back to the middle of last year to find the last one that was missed because NFL kickers had made 233 in a row from 28 yards or shorter. That's at the NFL level. That's with three points at stake. Joey Sly missed that one in the same game that he missed two PATs, which are made 95% of the time. I went back to my high school math background, and I did a little math on how rare it would be to miss. You only miss one out of 20 PATs at the NFL level. He missed two. So that's one out of 20, Darren, if I remember correctly from math class, times one out of 20, times I just rounded off to 99% because after 234 field goals in a row at that distance or shorter, I wasn't sure how to process the 100%, right? So I just plugged it in as 99. Joey Sly as the Panthers kicker against the Saints yesterday The odds of missing two PATs and a 28-yard field goal are more than 1 in 50,000. Double-check my math on that, 1 in 50,000. That'll get you fired in the real world. We'll see if it's another step toward getting Ron Rivera fired as the Panthers' already slim playoff hopes basically went in, went up in smoke yesterday in New Orleans. Darren, you know as we go to the calls, 1-800-849-2761. Do you remember my favorite, not my favorite, one of my favorite scenes from the Tom Cruise movie? He plays Jerry Maguire, the sports agent, and he's always trying to pump the tires of his star client, Rod Tidwell, the enigmatic and sometimes complicated wide receiver that he's always a headache. But, man, Jerry loves this guy, right? My One of my favorite scenes in there is when he is dreaming about the ideal circumstance. Like, Rod's not only playing well, but Rod makes a big play 
in exactly the right set of circumstances, as seen through the eyes, of course, especially of a sports agent who's in charge of not only negotiating your contract, but, you know, making sure some other things go with it. I will not rest until I have you holding a Coke, wearing your own shoe, playing a Sega game, featuring you while singing your own song in a new commercial starring you, broadcast during the Super Bowl in a game that you are winning, and I will not sleep until that happens. Joey Sly had the opposite of that yesterday. Think about it. That was the perfect set of circumstances for Rod Tidwell, right? What more could possibly go well in that Jerry Maguire monologue? What could be worse than what happened with jo to Joey Sly? I mean, in the football sets. I mean, the guy, seriously, another thing that makes him easy to root for, among his routine elements prior to kicking in, a, in an NFL game, he gives a signal to his late brother who died at the age of 20 years old. I mean, this guy's a story of perseverance. He's a story of playing for his late brother. He's a story of going from undrafted to starting NFL kicker. There's a lot to root for there. But keep in mind, he had his 1 in 50,000-plus kind of day in a way that is the opposite of Rod Tidwell via Jerry Maguire. It was wide right three times as an undrafted free agent trying to make a name for himself, trying to keep his job. And remember this, while indoors. Did you see the other NFL games? If kickers need excuses, folks, they were everywhere this weekend in the National Football League. Jerry Maguire's perfect backdrop was the opposite of Joey Sly's backdrop because he was indoors with no wind on artificial turf with no divots on the field, kicking for a five-on-five-and-five five five playoff contender against the first-place team in the division with dwindling postseason hopes hanging in the balance as the ball flew wide right, not once, not twice, but three times. I mean, seriously, you couldn't paint more of a bleak picture for a single NFL kicker in a single NFL game. That's how bad it was. What was wasted? A very good quarterback performance by Kyle Allen. 23 for 36, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the guy that has people in the NFL talking about even if you don't think he can be a full-time starter for a playoff caliber team, and that's okay. There's no doubt that the guy has shown enough that he can be a top half of the NFL backup. No doubt about it. He's had his bad games, yes. He still turns the ball over a lot on the season and even dating back to college. But that guy took a Panthers no chance of winning and almost pulled it off. Late touchdown pass to D.J. Moore was phenomenal. Christian McCaffrey was very good again. D.J. Moore was awesome again as the young wide receiver that the Panthers needed to emerge. Greg Olson had a solid game. Trey Boston had a big interception. Eric Reed had 15 tackles, including one on fourth down. That was a game-breaking kind of play. There were a lot of really good things done by the Panthers as they almost stunned the Saints in New Orleans. Joey Sly's got to do his job, man, especially indoors, especially with the season on the line. Carolina squandered first and goal in the final minutes. So Joey Sly's not the only guy who screwed up. But you can't miss two PATs and a 28-yard field goal at the NFL level under any circumstances, but especially indoors with your playoff hopes against the, on the line against the team you're trying to chase in your own division. It's just as bad as it gets for a single kicker on a single day, and those are the numbers that back that up. To his credit, if you didn't see him in the postgame, I feel terrible. 
it's on me. We needed this win. He, I take ownership of what happened. We would have won if I had done my job. I mean, he said all the right things and sounded like he meant all the right things. So I credit him for that. But that is about as bad a day a kicker will ever have in the NFL regular season, period. That's how bad it was. 1-800-849-2761. Charles is in Cameron Village in Raleigh. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, Dave. Love your show. Thank you, man. What's on your mind? Um, yeah, maybe y'all weren't watching what I was watching, but it wouldn't even have been on Joey if he didn't push it. If he would have kicked it straight, it would have been blocked for sure. If you saw what I saw, even in slow motion, the guy that jumped over center would have been, was all over him. It would have been blocked easily. So if it was blocked, it wouldn't even be on him. It would be on the center. If it was blocked, it would not be on him. You are correct about that. But I've been around enough football to know that it is not your job as the kicker as you have a fraction of a second to convert your kick, to worry about whether the outside rushers are going to get there to block it or whether somebody's going to play Superman and leapfrog over the offensive line. That's not your job. Kick the ball between the uprights. If they block it with a superhuman play, give them credit, man. But he, he, he missed two PATs and a 28-yard field goal. I, I ask those who have kicked, do you have time? To look, while you're, you're supposed to remember, keep your head down, look at this, the, the hold. You're not even really looking at the snap. I, you, you make a good point about the Saints player leaping over the line. Of course that complicated things. But do you know why they're taught not to worry about that? Do your job. And a lot of times, how many replays have we seen that the, the guy on defense does leap the line and does – get his arms high in the air, but the ball misses his hand by fractions of an inch, right? That's because the kickers, you're, it's too late for you to steer your 28-yard field goal. Tell your blockers to do their blockers, their, their, do their blocks. You've got to kick it between the uprights, period. If that fails because somebody else failed, then that's something else you can discuss in the video room the next day. Joey Sly's job is to kick it between the uprights. And he just had, in a league where you make 95% of your PATs, he missed two with no excuses, including the one you just tried to make. And then, yes, it was tricky to have this supersized NFL-caliber defensive lineman leap over the Panthers' offensive line. And, yes, he was in the direction of the goalposts. But if, I hadn't, if, if we've all seen a 1,000 examples where kicks that might have been blocked weren't blocked, you ever see how frustrated those linemen get when they know they're in the line and their hand is high enough, but the size of a football and the size of a human hand are such that even if somebody beats his block, if you kick it, there's still a 90% chance that guy's single hand is going to miss your ball, even if somebody missed a block. I, I understand that that was a degree of difficulty matter. Joey Sly's got to do his job. And Joey Sly had one of the worst days in the history of NFL regular season kickers. I say regular season because if you miss something like that with your season on the line, it's even worse than what you saw yesterday. I guess the silver lining is the Panthers weren't going to be a playoff team anyway. So it's not like the litany of stories. Every NFL fan base can tell you the story of the missed field goal that broke their heart the most. Most of those stories are either from the postseason or a game that would have gotten them into the postseason. Although, yes, 
there is that occasional regular season nightmare. I'm rooting for Joey Sly. Again, I admire the way he was a stand-up guy after the game. There are no excuses for, for missing a length field goal that had not been missed by an NFL kicker in about a year. Just there's no excuses. You can't have it happen. And it happened, and it was one of the biggest factors in a game that the Panthers barely lost to the New Orleans Saints. 1-800-849-2761. 34-31. Will Lutz makes his 33-yarder. Joey Sly misses his 28-yarder. Of course, it was more complicated than that, but that's a big part of the bottom line. We'll get to Steve, David, Zach, Barry, Gary, and others, not necessarily in that order. Best and worst of the weekend continues with your phone calls. NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball. Are you one of those who is mad at Washington rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskins, who did get his first NFL win as a quarterback at that level, but was over with the fans taking a selfie while Washington still had to snap the ball in victory formation. Some of you are making a big deal of this. Some of you say it's no big deal. I'll tell you what former Washington quarterback Joe Theismann had to say about it as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. And if we're left to wonder what Panthers owner David Tepper thinks of Ron Rivera, now that it appears another season is getting away for a team Tepper has only owned for these two non-playoff seasons now, we have to wonder less what Cowboys owner Jerry Jones thinks of his longtime coach, Jason Garrett, because Jerry decided to talk to the media after the Cowboys had a disappointing loss at New England. And let's just say Jerry didn't hesitate to throw his head coach under the proverbial bus. More on that story, too, with more of your phone calls. Mick Mixon of the Panthers in 25 minutes. Mac Brown of the Tar Heels in more than 60 minutes. Your calls, too, at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. David is in Wilmington, Steve is in Apex, Gary is in Wilson. You can join us. Did what Dwayne Haskins did at the end of his first victory as an NFL starting quarterback. The former Ohio State Buckeyes star now with Washington. A 2-9 Washington team, remember. As the Redskins were punishing, putting the finishing touches on their victory to get to 2-9, and nine, remember, in an otherwise miserable season, as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, Dwayne Haskins was nowhere to be found for his place in the victory formation that many teams use to squeeze the final moments off the clock as they celebrate a victory. Why wasn't Dwayne Haskins there? Well, he was hanging out near the sidelines and had grabbed a phone, a fan's phone and actually took a selfie with him in that photo and handed the phone back to the fan. Meanwhile, the backup quarterback for the Washington team had to take that snap to end things. Some said it was no big deal. Former Washington quarterback Joe Theismann said it was both unprofessional and wrong for Haskins not to be there for his team at the end of that victory. Of course, this is a branch of the act like you've been there before. See the bigger picture. You're only 2-9. and nine. 
Nobody faults you for being excited about your first NFL victory as a starter, but you do need to take it more seriously when you're in an NFL regular season game. There's only 16. You got plenty of time to celebrate after the game, all week long, in the locker room. You can even take selfies with fans after the final snap if you really wanted to. I'm not going to put it in the he deserves a fine or a an internal suspension category, but I would put it in, Dwayne, you're better than that. And if you expect to be respected by your teammates and the fans who are celebrating this victory right now, you're going to have to show a smarter attitude toward things like that. End of the world? No. Should it be no big deal at all? I'd say no to that as well. There's probably a happy medium somewhere in between. 1-800-849-2761. And as we go to David in Wilmington and Gary and Wilson and Stephen Apex and you, whereas David Tepper, Panthers owner, declined to answer questions about his head coach, Ron Rivera, and even his general manager, Marty Herney, at that rare media availability last week when he answered so many other questions, Jerry Jones did not require any questions after the Cowboys lost to the Patriots in New England. Now, remember, the Cowboys fell to 6-5. and five, But unlike Ron Rivera, who is in uncatchable territory when it comes to Sean Payton and the Saints, the Panthers have almost no chance at a wild card. Not mathematically eliminated, if you like to play that game. But almost no chance at the wild card in an NFC, you know, where a team like 9-2 and two Seattle might need a wild card to get in. There are other really good records on that side of the bracket as well. On the other hand, they are leading the NFC East. The Eagles are 5-6 and six after losing to Seattle this weekend. The Cowboys are still 6-5. and five. Washington and New York are just flat bad. So it's only a question of whether Philly catches Dallas. Jerry Jones, remember, as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, has this in common with David Tepper of the Carolina Panthers. When you list the longest tenured coaches in the National Football League, of the top seven, five have already won the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick of the Patriots has six trophies. Sean Payton has been with the Saints since 2006. He has only one Super Bowl title, but he has one with Drew Brees and company. Mike Tomlin of the Steelers, who's actually doing a pretty good job under difficult circumstances for a team that's lost a lot of key players to injury, others to transactions in the offseason. They're still technically in the hunt, the Steelers, although it's a miracle that they are. Mike Tomlin, however, this season ends, been with the Steelers since 2007. Again, another of the longest tenured. He has a Super Bowl. He has two AFC titles on his resume. John Harbaugh of the Ravens has a Super Bowl. Pete Carroll of the Seahawks has a Super Bowl. Of the seven longest tenured coaches in the NFL, head coaches, only two lack a Super Bowl ring. One is Jason Garrett of the Cowboys, who's in his 10th year, and one is Ron Rivera of the Panthers, who's in his ninth year. And that matters a lot. The other guys, if they need the benefit of the doubt, they get it because of the other accomplishments on their resume. Ron Rivera at least took the Panthers to the Super Bowl four years ago. Jason Garrett's never even gotten the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. So whereas you may have thought, hey, the Cowboys were in New England, the Patriots are now 10-1, and tied with the 49ers as the best record in the league, who'd you think was going to win when the Patriots were at home, when they no almost never where they almost never lose, under conditions where Bill Belichick and Tom Brady 
are pretty famous for being good at handling wind or snow or sleet or hail or whatever might come their way. I think most people, including me, expected the Cowboys to lose to the Patriots. Nevertheless, Jerry Jones felt the need to address the media and said, among other things, with the makeup of this Dallas Cowboys team, I shouldn't be this frustrated right now. He also specifically went out of his way to say that he expected to lose the coaching battle, although that was not automatically a direct shot at Jason Garrett, his coach, because he added virtually everybody is going to lose over time the coaching battle against that Belichick guy in New England, right? But more specifically, and this was more a shot at his own head coach, he said special teams are totally a reflection of coaching. And there was only, what, one touchdown in a game the Patriots won 13-9? That one touchdown was set up by what? The biggest special teams play of the game. Neither team could move the ball while they, they could move it. They just couldn't turn it into points. And, yes, the Patriots blocked the Cowboys' punt, and that's why Jerry Jones sounded bitter, frustrated, and, yes, like he's considering firing his 10th-year coach, Jason Garrett, a person that he likes so much personally that those near the Cowboys organization say that other than his actual sons, Jerry Jones loves Jason Garrett as a person, like at that next level, almost like a son. But after 10 years, and remember, Jerry has been waiting 24 seasons since his last Super Bowl, bought the Cowboys in 1989, won three Super Bowls in like a half a dozen years, two with Jimmy Johnson, one with Barry Switzer. So he's a three-time Super Bowl champion as an NFL owner right out of the gate or within a half a dozen years of being the owner. 24 years have gone by since Jerry Jones was on a team that raised that trophy, and this is what he sounded like after the Cowboys' 13-9 loss to the Patriots in snowy, windy, ugly conditions. I don't think there's a game that a coaching staff uh, has areas that it wouldn't, uh, couldn't do better in. And um, uh, I just uh, don't like it that we've got so many as I'm standing here tonight. Uh, the 10-year the thing does not have anything to do, in my mind, have any bearing on uh, what we're doing or not doing. And uh, it says it should be. And um, uh, the staff, him, they're bringing it with what they've got right now, accumulation of what they're supposed to have gotten after 10 years and what they're bringing to the table with all their education, experience, and everything. They're bringing it right out here right now. And we played uh, one of the best, and we're playing a lot of experience out there today, and we came up short. That's frustrating. A few things to remind you of. Jerry Jones is now 77 years old. People don't tend to get more patient as they get older when they've been waiting a long time for something special. Jerry Jones is also the extremely rare NFL owner who not only acts as the general manager as well, it's actually one of his titles, general manager. You know, David Tepper has Marty Herney. 99% of NFL owners ever have a general manager who works for them. Jerry Jones is the general manager. Of course, all owners have the ultimate say on their head coach, so that's nothing unusual as he evaluates Jason Garrett. Six and five, leading the NFC East, NFL, uh, yeah, NFC East by a game over the Eagles. They play the Eagles in Philly at the end of the year. Maybe the division is still on the line at that point. Philly has a lighter schedule between now and that regular season finale against the Cowboys. 
There's no doubt that Jerry Jones' investment has gone well. He bought the Cowboys for $140 million in 1989, and they're worth billions with a B and an S at the end. Many billions, several billion. Some say it's the most, you know, or one of the most uh, valuable franchises in all of professional sports. Jason Garrett is at the end of his contract. Could it be the rare example of making the playoffs and that not being good enough? We'll see. Jerry has time to settle down. But 24 years since his last Super Bowl for a guy who, remember, is also one of the rare NFL owners who used to play the game at a high level. He was like a captain on the national championship team at Arkansas way back in the day. So the late the, the previous owner of the Panthers, Jerry Richardson, was that rare former NFL player who went on to own a team. Uh, Jerry Jones is also a rarity in that he did play the game at a very high level. That's one of the reasons that he tends to be so meddlesome, not only as the GM, but as a guy that some of his coaches and GMs of the past have said he's looking over the shoulder, he's undermining their authority. There's a good Jerry Jones and there's a bad Jerry Jones, and Jason Garrett got an earful after that loss to the Patriots in New England. 1-800-849-2761. Mick Mixon on all things NFL in 10 minutes. More of your phone calls throughout number, hour number two. Mac Brown of the North Carolina Tar Heels has his team one win from bowl eligibility, but they got to go to Raleigh and beat NC State to make that happen this coming Saturday. More with the head coach of the Tar Heels, the voice of the Panthers, and your calls too. 1-800-849-2761. Glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this. Is everything open, man? We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day (laughs) and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Mac Brown of the North Carolina Tar Heels live in about 45 minutes. Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers. It was a disappointing defeat in New Orleans. Where do the Panthers go from here? They've already made a roster move. Mick Mixon on all things NFL. Next on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? How does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I I hope it's not awkward. (laughs) Um, You know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand kind of thing, but... I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.